This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 677, brought to you by Mac Weldon. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com, enter promo code iFanboy at checkout. And iFanboy listeners just like you. Stuck on my own, running fast, retreating for a place. 
Hello, welcome to my fanboy pick of the week, episode 677. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello. And we are iFanboy. Every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us has the sorry task of picking their favorite book of the week. We call it the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other books from the week, the patron pick. We'll definitely get to some listener mail this week. It'll be fun, depending on the quality level of the books that are released. All right, let's just get this out there. <laughs> it's, it was a, it's a, it's a four-star week. At, at best. It's a, it, I mean, what I mean is, I'm going to talk about the pick of the week. We're going to like it. It's all going to be fine, but it's a four-star book. Let's just say, spoiler warning, review show, spoilers, caution, Josh is the pick. But b- before we get to that, I felt really bad for you. <laughs> After I finished reading, I was like, oh, shit. I, I did. I went, wait, is that it? Did I read everything? <laughs> like, there was definitely that. There was not back. a lot of books, and and at best, the best, the best books were four stars, at best. Yeah. However... There is something that uh, I wanted to I wanted to bring up. My, the pick of the week is Red Sonia number three. I looked. We we picked uh, Lone Ranger four and five, both mm-hmm. as picks of the week, and we had not picked Red Sonia. Although we've talked about it for both of the other issues. Yeah. Uh, this is by Mark Russell from uh, Dynamite. Art by Mirko Kolak. Bob Q showing up to assist with colors. I think Bob Q also did art. Uh, is that maybe it was some of it? Both the the um the credits in this were very sparse. There's a back page full credits. Page. Oh, is that it? I yeah. missed it. Uh, anyway. Bob Q, you know, he was used to doing two books at a time. He was like, what do you guys got for me? Yeah. Uh, I can't I can't do this few. I can do two, three books at a time, so why not? Anyway. I'm sorry. I, I'm pretty sure that Bob Q did the flashback sequences. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, he did. He did. It's a really good-looking book. And yes. it, literally, at one point I looked back, I was like, is Jordy Belair coloring this? And, like, that's how good-looking it is. Yeah, no, it's uh, real good. It's a really Other good than book. that, I, I was thinking about why it is that we keep coming back to talk about Mark Russell's work and why it's exciting. Because the, the fact is when I see that there's a book by him, I get excited. I'm like, Oh, great. And it's not just that he's funny mm-hmm. because he is, or that he's smart, but I think that he's doing mainstream comics from an approach and a position that is new to me. He's not a guy who came up in comics. So he's, telling these comic stories using the same tools that everybody's just it's just a little askew and sort of his his approach to these is a little different than everybody's and that makes it fresh and interesting it, and it, it feels unlike any other book you're reading for sure it does it, it, not not radically different like you know like if you read a sam keith book and be like this is like nothing else it's not in that way it's just it's like it's bringing a different set of influences. Like, I don't know, if, if you were to compare it to music, you know, like you have a rock band and then a guy comes in there who's never played blues and rock, but he sort of can fit in there and he just gives it a little bit of a different sound than anything. And I feel like Mark Russell is like that. You know, it, it, it's not even, it's not inaccessible. It's just twisted just a, enough that it it feels fresh. And and in a world of comics, that's that's a really special thing because – so much of what is done is that, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants and building on what came before it and, and traditions and styles. And, you know, he's, he's understanding that. He's doing it. But it, it's not quite the same. So I'm reading this sword and sorcery, you know, Red Sonia book. And it's entertaining. There's, mm-hmm. there's sort of funny bits. There's, you know, the, the emperor character obviously is sort of the comic foil. But at the same time, there's all this stuff going on that, you know, is really interesting in terms of you know, barbarian strategy and and warfare and supply lines and you know fighting impossible odds and it's not it's not so far removed from the way that like a Grant Morrison would write something like this. I was like, this is very strategic. This is 
learned. You know what I mean? It's, there's, there's a lot of deep thought happening in terms yes, of the fun. world. I mean, and it's also very much, I mean, it's, it's in the same realm of Game of Thrones. So it's like, you know, yeah. dealing with mercenaries who switch sides at the drop of a hat, depending on who's paying them more. And, but still outsmarting them with tactics and, you know, the warrior women who are underestimated, of course, and then, you know, are badass. So there's a lot of things going on here in a very familiar vein, but it feels, it feels fresh. And the art is a big plus. Mirko Kolak is really, really good. And Deirbra Kelly is the colorist. She's really good, too. And it's just a real, it's a, I mean, I never thought I would be reading a Red Sonia book like this. And enjoying it like this. Yeah. And, you know, like we've we've talked about this, but like I've read others, you know, I've checked them out by people I like, you know, but it's kind of, you know, like, all right, let's just just for example, Conan came out this week, right? Yeah. Conan by Jason Aaron. Beautiful mm-hmm. book. Really fun to read. But it's Conan. It's a really good Conan. I mean, it's like clearly Jason Aaron, like, has read the Robert E. Howard stuff. He's doing the stuff, you know, he's doing the the voice of it, this should just a sense. And that's what a lot of it is. And people do it really well or sort of blandly to whatever extent, but this is taking that and just turning it a little bit. And I know, like you said, it's like game of Thrones in it, but it's lighter than that. No, no, but it's also, not, totally. It's not the same. It's just yeah. in the world. It's similar tropes to yeah. that kind of thing. It's, but I think what you're, what you're trying to say is a lot of people are making comics. But they're doing their take on a thing in the past. Yes. This is my venom story. This is my, clone saga or is this yeah, yeah. mark russell doesn't do that even when he's working he dc like wonder twins isn't yeah. familiar at all but even if he it, maybe he is doing that and this is what comes out i mean again like to use a music thing you know that's what a lot of how a lot of music gets created is like well i was trying to make it sound like this and mm-hmm. what it came out with was something different you know that's how art's supposed to work it's just in the way that he makes these comics and and writes them it's very appealing and i i really like that at first, I think we, you know, we'd read through Prez and the Flintstones or whatever, and then he showed him a couple of DC things, and I thought, oof, maybe this isn't for him. But as we move over into some of these other genres, you know, he's got something to say there too. And I really like, you know, I like getting out of it that the bit in the beginning about, you know, loyalty and war. I have this many men. Do you have this many men? You know, yeah. and then having that sort of illustrated in sort of a, you know, like a kung fu kind of lesson kind of thing. Right. There's just a lot going on, and that thoughtfulness, I, I just appreciate it so much. And then, you know, this, you know, I, I think you make a really good point. Historically, you might have a good run on a book at Dynamite or Top Cow, or and I'm, I don't want to denigrate, but you know, you'd always be like, "Yeah, it's pretty good. Doesn't look great." Yeah. And it's a, this is a great looking book too. By every right, like, you know, it, this should be. Like it, it, it would let it be almost dumb and and sort of exploitative, and you've got like this beautiful woman in a bikini, you know, like that could be enough for some people, you know, that thing like, well, it's got zombie gorillas in it, so I like it. He's not gonna he's not gonna run with that though, right? So in this week of of you know, okay, books, you know, I, I had to really think like, well, what did I enjoy? What do I appreciate? And what else do I have to say? about Mark Russell, and that is what I came up with. And I mean, also, he's clearly capable of doing a action sequence, a war story. I mean, it's, it's, not, yeah. it's not quite, it's not a Jason Aaron sword fight. Nope. Who's like a maestro mm-hmm. at that kind of thing. But it's, it's not like he can't do it. This, the, the fight scene here was fun and exciting and interesting, and it had a twist, and it had... It, it had strategy behind it. He's clearly capable of doing it. So 
he's he's showing us more tools in his toolkit as he yep. takes on more books, which is nice. It is nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoy this series. And again, if you told me that we'd be talking about a Red Sonja series, almost regardless of who's doing it, I, I wouldn't have thought that possible. Right. Well, there you go. This is 2019 for you. There you go. The War of the Realms, number one. Speaking of Jason Aaron, Jason Aaron, Russell Dodderman, Matthew Wilson, Josephino, this is the, I guess, an event? Who knows anymore? I kind of. It's an event that it's being treated as, as if it's one. Yeah, that's true. It's the culmination, presumably, of, of sort of years of prep and planning throughout the Thor books and some other books. Certainly a little bit of the Avengers, too. Well, he's been he's writing Thor, obviously. He's been writing Thor yep. for a long time. He's writing Avengers. So this is his grand Thor story bleeding into the rest of the Marvel Universe. So you've got all the characters from Thor along with all of the Avengers plus Spider-Man and the Punisher and Daredevil and Doctor Strange, people he's written in the past. So it's, you know, it's, it's sort of his two books together plus the rest of the Marvel Universe. And, and you know, I don't know how much this bleeds into other issues. It didn't seem like the list was all that long, but it does in this sense make sense that the story that they've been leading up to would be a universe-wide thing because everybody else would need to be involved. Sure, sure. You know, like the army, the war elf hordes show up in New York City. Yeah, I think Cap might show up. <laughs> I mean, you think so, for sure. Cap, I mean, who knows? He might have an art showing. So you've been <laughs> you've been uh, reading Thor the whole time. Yeah. What did you think of this issue? It felt kind of like another issue of Thor. Mm-hmm with guest stars to a certain extent. But it also felt like, all right, good, let's get on with it. Because we have been building this for years now. Right. So sort of this war has been going on in the background, and I think it's definitely time to sort of push it out. I think the Loki in this is really good. We don't really know where he stands. He keeps trying to do good, but then he turns around and changes. Definitely drawn like Tom Hiddleston. Yep. I like that Thor... Thor has a strong point of view. You know, he was kind of lost for a while and, and trying to figure it out. And this is, you know, Thor gets his mojo back. Uh, they 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 cured. I can't remember if it was this one or the end. Like they've got a, a little clutch of the lady fighters. Right. And, and, and Jane Foster is basically like in remission and cured. Right. So, you know, she's going to be part of the part of the war. You know, it's everybody's sort of coming together. Spider-Man mixed up with, uh, you know, the, the the Viking ladies and fighting all the dark elves like it's fun it didn't blow my socks off yeah i think that's what i'm saying i enjoyed reading it and i know it's like it's a really big deal for these comics uh but i don't think that there was a like a, oh my god moment i mean the the last page reveal is basically thor showing up swinging his hammers <laughs> right. which is like well yeah but that could happen on the first page but you know like as a as a part of this sort of ongoing thor story it's great and i and i think I think, you know, it'll be fun. It'll be a good story. And I, I, I'm I'm going to be glad to see, like, a conclusion to it, mm -hmm. I think, uh, just because it's, it's been going on for quite a while. And I, I want Thor to get his hammer back, and I'm hoping that this is where it happens. I think it's got to be. I mean, they, they mentioned yep. he has a piece of Mjolnir, and they haven't mentioned that in a while. So that, yeah. that, that seems to be – it's always like when you're watching a TV show and they're previously on, and there's a character you haven't seen in forever. Like, you know, that yeah. character's going to show up. So. It's, it just seems like this is the time to do. He's, if he's going to win the War of the Realms, it's going to have to be with Mjolnir, right? So yeah, and and also there's like a, I don't know. I mean, in the movies though, he didn't have his hammer, and they find hey, your thunder. Oh right, you know, and he shoots lightning on everybody, and that's the thing. Right. Whatever, you know. But there's been a lot of seeds sown, and I am very confident that like we're going to get to see those come together. Like, there was a long issue of Odin 
like not being able to tell his son that he's proud of him, you know, and like that's going to come to fruition at some point. You know, the thing with Jane Foster, the stuff with the dog, all that stuff, uh, you know. Odin got stabbed through the chest, so he's clearly dead forever. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's how comics work. With and though Loki gets eaten by the frost giant, he's clearly dead forever, too. Mm-hmm. He's never faked his death before. <laughs> I was hit and miss on the Doubterman art. It was a little... There was some really terrific panels and sequences and pages, but there was a, somewhere I was just like, hmm, not what you expect from Doubterman, but overall it, it looked good. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. I can see that. I mean, he's dealing with a lot of characters, so I get I guess yes, he is. Who's not? Who he's probably not drawn a ton. Like, all the Asgardians look great, except Lady Freya's hair is way too big and it bothers me. <laughs> it's like a 60s beehive. I like how She-Hulk just keeps getting bigger and stronger and weirder. I'm totally fine with that, by the way. That's not like, I love this. I really do like it. But mm-hmm. it's just getting out of control. I'm looking forward to this. I, 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 yep. know, it doesn't, I know it doesn't sound like maybe we are, but it was fun. It's going to be an Avengers. It's going to be in Thor. It's Guardians of the Galaxy, Venom, Squirrel Girl. And then there's going to be a bunch of uh, specials. This is just Act One, so I don't know, yeah. know how long. And also, been. I mean, to be to be fair, not much really happened in this. Yeah. Like Malekith came through the gate, a bunch of people got around it, shit starts to go down, but nothing really happened. Right. Which is fine. I'm I'm looking forward to the whole thing, but you know, is this it's it's some first issues try to do too much and some try to take it easy. You know, I, I'm gonna. This is more of a slow roll for me, so it's fine. Right. It's not like the, I read the first issue. was like, damn, where's issue two? It's like, that was good. When issue two comes out, I will be looking forward to it. Yeah, that would have been nicer, though. I'm curious because I think you and I are both a little on the Immortal Hulk fence. Well, I was going to ask if you had dropped off Immortal Hulk as we get to the 16th issue here. I feel like we're playing a game of chicken to see who drops off first. <laughs> I liked this issue. I think after <laughs> um, whatever the last dream sequence other world thing going on he was happened. In hell. yeah that's what it was yeah, yeah. I, I i've already started to block it out and then whatever's and then this dovetails also with sort of the hulk that we are seeing in avengers no road home sure al ewing because al ewing is yeah. writing part of that and so the hulk is consistent between those two books i feel like this is a little more okay we're back in the world we're dealing with the hulk family we're sort of dealing with what the nature of, of Hulk and Banner is now, which is yeah. kind of interesting. It seems consistent with the things I liked about the first couple mm-hmm. issues. I don't know. I feel like we're back on track a little bit. Things I liked. Okay. Classic Doc Samson costume. All I was, yep. They are not, as of yet, fucks with that. It's ridiculous. He looks it's like weird. a wrestler in the 80s. It's great. Things I don't like. This is a trend beyond this book. It's not the fault of the book. The idea of making everyone supporting cast part of the superhero team. So here, Betty's already got Hulk powers, and clearly they have dug up Rick Jones' body, and they've been immersed him in liquid gamma radiation, so clearly he's going to wake up with Hulk powers. Well, he already was uh, Ambush? Is that what it was called? I don't remember, but the point is, it's just Blue-ish. like... It's like, you know, let some people just be people, and they'll, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll give them all powers. But this has been going on for decades now. I don't know about that it case, used to happen a long time ago, but it would just be temporary. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Everybody has become superpowered in, in a given family. And you're right. That's across everything. I like bits of it. I like the... Um, yeah. I actually like, really like the reporter sequence with her editor. Mm-hmm. That I was fun. Too. I actually really like the device of using Rick Jones's autobiography as the, as the captions. 
Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting writing mm-hmm. in terms of his psyche and what he th- thinks about the Hulk. I like the issue. It was it was one of my, yeah. the better ones recently, but I'm still like I'm not sold on all the Hulk stuff like you are, and I just hate the way he transforms now. And yeah, it's just I get it's a horror book now. I get it. Yeah, I also liked. I I really like the fact that Doc Samson is is trying to therapize Hulk. Sure. As they walk around and like Hulk's smarter than he is now. Right. So like his power isn't just raw brute force. It's sort of a different thing. And he, you know, I don't know, maybe he's, he's supposed to be the world ender or something like that. But I just like that he's playing along. I, I like that mind game kind of stuff that's happening. And, you know, Doc Sampson's trying to help. God, you're just right. Doc Sampson might be uh, Marvel Universe's Adam Strange. <laughs> like, just don't just let it be whatever this is. Right. And I get that this is the, for the story, but I, the idea that he only turns into Hulk in the nighttime and turns back in the banner when there's sun is kind of dumb. Especially since I think he's probably in the sunlight in the other Avengers book. Mm-hmm. But again, it's long established that there's I lots of different kind of Hulks. I get it. It's not, not new. And then Joe Fixit, I guess, is going to show up. And that doesn't mean a lot to me other than one of my first comics was the um, Claremont Buscema Wolverine series in the late 80s. Yeah. And Joe Fixit showed up in that, and I will never forget that image of the way that Busima drew him. Busima did the best Hulk ever. All the Busimas. No, but like that, I hadn't read Hulk in a while, and I know what you're talking about because I had How to Draw Comics the Marvel way, but he was in like a gangster suit. Yeah. And he was gray, and his proportions were just awesome next to Logan. Well, that's and the I, uh, classic Peter David run that yeah. was definitely before your return, and I only read part of. I, I, that's, one yeah. the, that's one run I want to go back and read. Like if I ever had yeah. time in my life, I would love to read the Peter David Hulk run. Yeah, oh yeah, I think that'd be fun. The Green Lantern number six, Grant Morrison, Liam Sharp still on this. Speaking of Adam Strange, I love the silver ageiness of the cover. <laughs> yeah. I love captions. I love dialogue covers. I love everything about these kind of covers. This issue was a little wonky, but <laughs> I liked uh, Hal Jordan and Adam Strange having to do a duel. Uh-huh. It was interesting. I just, I just love Adam Strange. He's, he's in this a lot. And that the, I mean, are we're on Ran here, right? Yes. So the way that Ran is drawn with this sort of, uh, you know, neo futurist, retro modern kind of space vibe, mm-hmm. like the the whatever the not the Fantastic Car or whatever that is that they're in uh, at the beginning, <laughs> right? It's just beautiful. Like uh, you know, like Liam Sharp is is in his world right now. I'm really impressed by Liam Sharp in this book. More and more. Yeah. There's a really great page where it's like half of Hal's face in close-up and the rest of the panel's all black. And I really like that mm-hmm. that panel a lot. Yeah. So in this issue, I guess the Dark Stars figure out that Hal's <laughs> been undercover with them. And then they fuck him up. And Adam Strange gets zapped back to Earth because the Zeta Beam wears off. And that was that's always fun. Well, you had highlighted that panel, which was also one that I had noted. Uh, stay away from my daughter, Space Bastard. <laughs> where he's flying and his shirt's torn and i was just like yes that's the stuff it's good <laughs> it's real good that's a that's a like i could if i really couldn't find a pick of the week i could have been like yeah but that panel so this this book gets it this wonderful texture to liam sharp's work with the cross hatching on the alien heads it has a different feeling than other comics it feels like old timey art i don't know if he works digitally or not but it doesn't look like it yeah, it, it it yes, it just doesn't, there's no other book that looks like this. It didn't and it didn't work for other characters. It works for Green Lantern. It didn't it didn't work for Batman and Wonder Woman, but it really does work for for this mm-hmm. book. The, I mean, this book was weird and sometimes hard to follow. This particular issue, yes. but but let it be with Green Lantern. 
Yeah. What's the who's the what's the who's the dude at the end? That I wasn't quite sure of. Okay. He is somebody, I think, but I don't know. It's like ugly Mitch's Pitlick. <laughs> That's what I thought. I think it's someone people know, but I'm sure it'll be explained next issue. Yeah, no. It I'm might even be somebody I know. I just don't know particularly. He has really bitchin' sideburns, though. I've never seen a character that looked like that. <laughs> Actually, kind of looks like like there's a little... Uh, looks like Oberon. Also Oberon. Little uh, Banshee. Yeah. Like after things didn't go well. I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, it's a weird book, which is the best compliment I can give to it. I know it was a little hard to follow, but I was kind of just enjoying it on a pulp level. Yeah. I was just like, look at that. Well, that's cool. Look at that. You know, it's it's, it's a little it's a little Wally Wood in there. It's good stuff. It's, it's so good, it doesn't even matter if it's bad. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's bad at all. I just think this issue was no, yeah, no. quite hard to follow. Let's take a quick break to talk about Mac Weldon. And they have a simple mission to make all your basics and beyond as smartly designed and, sh- and easily shopped as possible. Mac Weldon makes my life easy. I go to the website. I find what I need. I get it real quick. So they started from scratch. They engineered their own fabric. It's deliciously comfortable, as I like to say. They made sure the design process was meticulous. You can count on the fit being the same each time. They build a world-class customer experience and the differences in the details. So they obsess over every stitch and seam until they reach their definition of perfect. And Josh and I have been talking for at least a year about our underwear. More. People have learned more about our underwear preferences than I think they ever would have imagined in their entire lives. I learned more about your underwear preferences than I ever would have imagined in my entire life. And I've known you since we were teenagers. So... And we're not teenagers. Let's not talk about underwear for the time being. Let's talk about the pants. Okay. The pants are terrific. There's two kinds of pants they just added to the store that Josh and I have been enjoying lately. There is the Ace Sweat Pant and the Radius Pant, which is a big suggestion for outdoor or travel. Now, Josh spends a lot more time in the outdoors than I do, and that's where he wears his Radius Pant. I did. I took a hike. Took a hike with the kids in my radius pant, and it was one of those days where it was like fifty, kind of cold, kind of warm, depending on where you're standing. Mm-hmm. And and I have a pair of similar pants from a reputed uh, outdoor firm. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a reputed mobster. I was like, no, wow. no, no. Uh, just just a you know like a, like a high end outdoor clothing brand that you mm-hmm. would know, but sure. I'm not going to tell you what that is. And. I didn't wear those this time. I wore the radius pant this time. It's a little slimmer. Mm-hmm. A little tapered in a leg. A little, yeah, little, little fashion. Little a little structured. A little modern, if yeah. we're going to be honest about it. And it's and also, just to know, real easy to go too far with that and make it wrong. Sure. A lot of the pants out there, they, they get, I think they're called joggers, I think is what the kids call them now. <laughs> uh, those can go too far in that direction, I think. Yes, for sure. But these were really good for that. The zippered pockets are, are a big thing. Belt loops, so I can sort of, you know, tighten it up and... and but they were really I, get, I was perfectly temperature regulated the whole time. They're a little they're a little water resistant, so I wasn't getting wet. The wind wasn't going through them, which has been really good because it's been kind of cold and windy and wet around here lately. But I've been still trying to get outside. I avoid and shun the outdoors, but sure, I have a big plane trip coming up. One of those trips where you're on a plane longer than any human being should be on a plane, and I plan on wearing my radius pant coupled with my Mack Weldon anti-rolling microfiber underwear mm-hmm. i feel like i'm going to get the full mac Weldon experience when i travel luxuriously in those pants the travel pants are great because as we talked about before and as josh said it looks like a modern uh nice pant but it's also very comfortable and there's give and there's a you know elastic in the waistband and it's nice so when you're sitting on a plane for a long time you don't feel a like little you're... elastic on the back of the ankle is nice it's nice and the ace sweat pant i spend way more time in at home than yes an adult should 
I've left the house in them. And if, if you know me, that's fairly significant. <laughs> I work from home and every morning I get up and I put pants on, which is the joke about working from home. But there have been days where I, for the first time in a very long time, I was like, I'm wearing these ice sweatpants at home. Well, they're soft French cherry cloth. So mm -hmm. what do you want? Luxury for your body is what you want. And that's what you get with those pants. Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabric, simple shopping. They'll be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, and more you'll ever wear. And the line of silver underwear and shirts are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor and that's what I'll be wearing on my flight. They want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it. And they'll still refund you your cost, no questions asked. Not only does Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. Great for working out, going to work, going out on dates, everyday life, as Josh said, hiking, going outside mm -hmm. into the world, maybe buying a donut. I'm trying to figure Yard out what, work. what you were doing out there. I'm sure I have. So, how do you get into this? How do you get some Mac Weldon in your life? Go to MacWeldon.com, enter promo code iFanboy checkout. You get 20% off your first order. You're people of leisure. You're, That's you're, a good deal. You're people of means and leisure and high quality taste. You're listening to the show, for God's sakes. So, <laughs> so check out, uh, you know, get, get, get a pair of nice sweatpants. They're nice. They're comfortable. You will not regret it for one second, trust me. No. No one has ever regretted premium clothing. MacWeldon.com, promo code iFanboy. Check out. Thank you very much. I don't understand the Spider-Man numbering. It's bothering me. Spider-Man numbering is a big fuck you. That's what <laughs> I'm not going to hold that against the text. No, no, no. I'm just saying the numbering. And we've, we've seen this dumbass dot letter numbering in the past with one of those events. It's just stupid. Well, it just makes me wonder, like, wait, am I supposed to read this? And I was like, all right, it's Nick Spencer. It's his story. It's just the next issue, though. It's just dumb because these books are practically weekly anyway. Mm -hmm. And we know you're all sprinting to the thousand number, so might as well just do it. Hell, you're counting Avengers No Road Home as an Avengers book, the legacy numbering. So we might as well just give this the next number, but whatever. I'm not in charge. Anyway, you're right. This was Nick Spencer, Ken Lashley, and Art. And I actually really like this. This is one of the better comics I read this week. Yeah, it, it was definitely like a, an off-the-beaten-path of this Spider-Man Craven story that's been going on. But I thought it was nice. And it was the – basically, it's the story of the Gibbon. The Gibbon. Uh, the Gibbon, who's a, a you know a low-grade uh, animal – was he really? Was he really a villain? Like he kind of didn't want to be. No, it seemed like from the story, and I, I, I definitely think we've seen him before. I don't uh, remember him. He wasn't in like Superior Foes of Spider Man. I feel like that's where he would have been. No, but like also, it wasn't played as a joke in this at all, really. No, that's because like, fucking it fucking gets fucked up. Yeah, but it wasn't like even like it. It would have been really easy to play it as a joke. But the whole thing is that like you know, it's this guy who is kind of like a monkey. And so that made his whole life really hard. And then he found out he had some abilities that came from it. And he tried to be, you know, he tried to partner with Spider-Man. Spider-Man laughed at him. But also there's an element of that being, you know, like, was that just his point of view of that? Right. The way that it was drawn, you know, Spider-Man threw his head back. There's tons of laughing. You know, he overreacts. He pushes Spider-Man. You know, and then, and then because of that, he finds himself in the situation where he's being hunted by these horrible people who are worse than the villains that they're hunting. Just sad. Yeah, it was a really sad issue, which was good. Yeah. A little focus in the midst of this Malay, 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 in uh, Central Park. We focus on this one character who does not make it out of the park. Yeah, it was good, and it's a lot of time to spend with that too. So, yeah. I guess if if you got to put a dot hu on the number in order to do that, I'm fine. It just seems weird. Yep, it does. It makes sense in a time when books are nominally monthly, but if you're at this point releasing them whenever you goddamn well please, you might as well just give it the next number. It's a lot. What's this next book? You Did Not Fall, Hit Your Head, and Wake Up in 1993. This book was written by Carl Kessel <laughs> and drawn by Tom Grummet, who were mainstays of the early 90s. 
Tom Grummet, one of my favorite artists as a kid, uh, drew everything. Section Zero, latest book from Image Comics' is Shadowline Group. You know, it was all right. <laughs> it's a bunch of people who are a clandestine group for the UN who investigate like monsters. And, you know, the guy has uh, hair on his chin, but that's the only place he's got hair on his face. And the girl doesn't wear pants. And there's an alien. I feel like I've read this. <laughs> This book, yeah, first of all, it felt very much like they've done this version of this many times, but also it just felt like this book was done 25 years ago. And sometimes that really works, but other times you're just like, does someone let Tom Grummet know no one wears a hair like this anymore? He's the badass with the sunglasses and the, the chin hair. And... Well, it brings up a sort of interesting question in terms of like, like these guys who weren't that old. When they sort of came into being, you know, like when they, they, they made it in comics, you know, say that say that a guy comes up in the 90s and he's in his 20s then, you know, he could theoretically still be working up to this point. Mm-hmm. But sometimes those folks fail to update their styles for the world we now live in. And it's very apparent. We often joke about Alan Davis's characters right. like, look like they're they're wearing clothes from the seventies, and that's, which is fine. Sometimes that's charming. But and like some people are so good or so beloved that they get away with it. Alan Davis is a good example of that. I think Mark Bagley suffers from this a little bit, a little although bit. it's a. I think he he not as much. Modern artists are much better at drawing people who look like real people in the real time than yeah. than they were even ten years ago. We used to joke about just, that all the time on the show. Just making things look contemporary. Yeah, we, I mean that's why McKelvey stood out so much when he first came on the scene. It's because his characters actually yeah. looked like they were in the present day as opposed to 20 years earlier. And listen, this book was drawn great, and Grummet, assuming he didn't draw this 25 years ago, he still got it. Right. It's just that the feeling of it was not retro and throwback, more like old. And there's a fine line to, between the two. Well, and I mean, I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at, is that like, it feels like that should be part of your your artist toolkit. Like you've learned, you've learned your anatomy, you've learned your storytelling, but then the other little part of that to keep yourself relevant is a word I'm not super happy about is like think like if McKelvey were to draw a comic book right now, which he is, he wouldn't necessarily be drawing it. They wouldn't look like people did 15 years ago. They look like they would now. And you, you have to know that. Right. I think and it isn't to say you change your style. You know, Tom Grummet, you draw like Tom Grummet, Jerry Ordway, you draw like Jerry Ordway, but you know, let us know that you're living in the world now. Well, Jerry Ordway was you people like they were in the fifties anyway, which is well, fine. Yeah, that's, it was solid. Kessel wrote basically every major character you could write in the 90s. You know, he did run Superman and Daredevil and, you know, all kinds of people. And, and Grummet drew every major book. You know, these are big time names in, in 1992. Sure. It's good to see them still. They still got it. It was not a bad comic. I don't want to say it was yeah. bad. It just I, I'm, felt very I'm old. I'm conversation out of a book yeah, I did not. It just felt very old. Yeah. It's crazy. They're getting variant covers from everyone. George Perez and... Somehow Mike Wieringo must be using an old piece of art that somehow they're using uh, for the book. Wow. There's a Walter Simonson cover and a Jerry Ordway cover, as, as you said. So they're getting all their old buddies. And good for them. You know? We talk sometimes about old creators who we used to know and wondering what they were doing. And they were, you know, but here they are, still working, which is good. You are not reading Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys Marvel History. No, you didn't really sell me on it last time. And then it showed up again, and I thought, that's weird. It's... I mean, it's dumb, but it's one of those books that, 
Marvel does. It's a humor book that plays with their history. You don't need to worry about continuity or anything. It's, and I mean dumb in the, in an entertaining in an entertaining way. It's Cowboy Frank Castle goes back in time, and this issue is all about Spider Man now. The framing device is Frank's hanging out with his wife and kid like the day or the day before they get killed, and pretending to be his old uncle Fredo, telling them stories about when he's hung out with superheroes, and so here he's telling them all about Spider Man adventures and. You know, it's through a comedic lens. Paul Shear, the comedian, is one of the writers, so it's funny. And they have a good run at the Clone Saga and the Black Spider-Man suit and Venom and, you know, goofiness. And original Nick Fury who's in this. You know, it's, it's silly in those old Marvel ways where they used to um, attack the Marvel offices or whatever or the, For, the Forbush Man or, you know, those kind of things. It's, it's mm-hmm. a grand Marvel tradition to tell these kind of books. And it's... It, Todd Nowak did the art in this issue. He's drew Young Justice back in the early old days, and he's really good still, too. Another guy who I haven't mm-hmm. probably seen work from in a long time and still still got it, for sure. Yeah. It was fun. It's a silly book, and in a week where well, there wasn't a lot to read, I, I wasn't sure I was going to read number two, so I'll give it a shot again, and I enjoyed it. Good. So it gets a third issue from Mad at Me. There you go. Nice work. And those are the books we want to talk about. There weren't, <laughs> there weren't a whole lot of them, and I honestly... Just to give you a little peek behind the curtain, oh, it was hard to come up with a list of books to talk about this week. It definitely was. Get ready for some email. <laughs> sometimes there's a lot of books and we can't narrow it down to 10, and sometimes we don't even make it to 10. So let's do the patron pick. That's where the patrons over at patreon.com slash ifanboy can vote to add a book to the rundown. Any patron can vote. And this week, the clear winner by... It was... I've never seen a blowout like that. Was Major X, number one, from Marvel Comics, story and art by Rob Liefeld. And that's... All you need to know is why I got the votes. So I think people are expecting us to gleefully shred the book. And uh, I'm not, it's not, that's, not, that's not an interesting conversation for me right now. Okay, so how would you like I, – I know what you're saying. Like I don't really feel like doing that either. And I – however, as I was reading this book, I – thought this is bad <laughs> well yeah it's it's not good well like like and, and i want to like okay a long time ago i decided it's 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 lame it's cheap and it's uninteresting to take shots at rob liefeld right who is not an artist i like which is the subjective and being pretty good at reviewing criticizing understanding knowing comics does not seem objectively that good either but there is something about him some combination of personality and legacy and you know timing i guess that you know have given him a lasting fan base he is undoubtedly enthusiastic and i yep. think that that speaks to a lot of people mm-hmm. he loves comics he loves making them he does he does he loves comics but at the same time you know page 2 of this book is this major x character whose foot is on cable. And I was like, that foot's wrong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, like it's, there's notable examples in this of clearly bad anatomy. Sure. And it bothers me. It's just, it's not a, it's a, it's a 20, it's a 30 year old conversation at this point. No, I know. No, I know. It's not interesting. But the fact is like, when I had talked about that before, I'm not saying I was not all that informed on it. Mm-hmm. I didn't write a lot of Rob Liefeld. I just know what people said. And I'd seen it here and there. I'm like, whatever, it's not mine. This time I had to sit down and read the whole book. And I I didn't get anything out of it. And I Yeah, I mean, this is not a book. I don't know who this is for. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who it's for. I, I assume it's for hard, hard, hardcore 
X-Force fans because, you know, it's basically this major X character shows up and fights with the old X-Force team and Cable and Domino and Shatterstar and and then Deadpool shows up because I think Rob Liefeld wants to remind everybody he created Deadpool. And that's definitely why he showed up. Yeah, that's what I thought too. The Wolverine's there and it's for a very, very small but passionate subsection of X-Men fans, comic fans, X-Men fans. You know, you're going very granular for who this book is for. And we're not in that that particular grain. Yeah, like, I didn't like it. I felt I felt in a slog. Every once in a while, there was something in the art I kind of liked. But, you know, it is what it is. He's not good with anatomy. He hasn't really changed his style over the years. Yeah, I mean, there would be something to be said about that. Like, well... And maybe he hasn't had a reason to. I, yeah, there's valid. really no reason to if he's you know, got um, his fan base. But you know, I know a lot of I know a lot of comic book artists, and they want to do better. You know, and and Rob Liefeld's been lucky in that he's never really had to do that. He didn't. You know, he he made a shit ton of money right from the beginning. He's carried along sort of a lasting fan base enough to let him keep going and do what he wants and be in control of you know. His career, which is which is what any artist wants, by the way, mm-hmm. he's got he's got it now. Whether I like the work or not, that's irrelevant, right. I guess. But it it was really you know for, it, it was really hard for me. I I I really tried to find something I like about this. There were several instances though where I just went this, which you know backs up what people say, but I still think it's a cheap and uninteresting conversation. It's just it's been the same one for thirty years. You know, you, yeah. you either like him or you don't, which is fine. I mean, I liked him when I was thirteen or whatever. Whenever Youngblood mm-hmm. came out, and when he was, I wasn't reading X Force at the time, but when when Image launched and he did Youngblood, or I liked it. I liked all of the books. It helps that he has nice colorist. Yeah, times change and tastes change. <laughs> it is what it is. If you look at page twenty eight, the right side is just the sort of full body shot of. Uh, Major X, mm-hmm. and then if you go two pages over to the end, he bulked up a lot in those two pages. Yeah, <laughs> he got much larger. Arms are still short. It's really hard not to do that. What I just did, I mean, I'm trying not to, but there was a lot. Like, and I got, I, I don't even know what this was or who anybody was, and it's actually the, the writing and storytelling wasn't all that confusing, but the sort of style of it was very much of a time this is not even close to being for you it's not even the same galaxy no i i I am genuinely curious what people who like this would get out of it but i'm i'm assuming that we would have very little in common in our taste so it wouldn't even matter anyway major x number one the ratings out of five Mm -hmm. what did we say here (laughs) am i nice and nice is a two by the way yeah that's what I thought when I was reading it. Fine. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go one and a half. Yeah, that makes more sense. One and a half. Sticking with it. Oh, yeah. I'm totally going to read it. <laughs> nope. Nope. All right. All right. You asked for it. You got it. Patreon.com slash fanboy. You want to add a book to the rundown. <laughs> yeah. If you want to take part in this or uh, be a bulwark against this kind of thing happening again, you know, it works either way. Uh, get over to patreon.com slash ifanboy. If you do that, then at a high enough level, you will, of course, be able to get the patron powers which you're coming up to. But you get a chance to vote every week on the book that you would like us to cover. And we have to. We have to. 
We have to read it and we have to talk about it and we will try to do so with as much respect as possible because we're professionals. But uh, we have other goals we have on there. Uh, we've reached goals before, obviously, with our books, bloods and talks, bloods. The next stretch goal is a monthly non-comics media podcast uh, that will be uploaded and then we will also upload all of the remaining video shows and minis to our YouTube channel and do that. Also, there's the Patreon Hangout. There's all sorts of reasons to do that. The most important reason really is that, like, I like the show and I want to support it and everything else is golden. But, you know, it really helps us keep things going. This takes up a lot of time and a lot of effort, and we kind of have to justify that in our lives a little bit. And so that's what this is for. And, and man, do we appreciate the people who have, who have uh, done that. Really, like, you make a big difference to us and it makes us you know that much more excited to go do this show all the time so thanks for that also if you just want some uh, you want some swag you want some merch you want some stuff go over to ifanboy.threadless.com there are seven designs over there some classics ifanboy herm things like that rating shirt nothing makes sense nothing matters all good things. that rating shirt is great i hadn't thought about that in a little bit <laughs> <laughs> so stupid i love it i have i have two earlier you talked about the dumb comic and that's a dumb shirt or whatever it is, phone case, whatever it is you're going to put it on, ratings. Get over there. Uh, if you just want to send some uh, a, a little gift, a little contribution via PayPal, you can do that at ifanboy.com slash support. And finally, at ifanboy.com slash Amazon, you can find a link to buy all the books that we talk about on Booksplode. There's links in our pick of the weeks to the pick book itself. And also, there's just a general link over to Amazon. Uh, so if you if you have to pick yourself up some sundries. <laughs> I'm not sure what sundries are. It's like flour and soap. Yeah, kind of uh, some gingham. Dry goods, yeah. some gingham, wagon repair tools, <laughs> these kinds of things. You can you can find Pick them there to do that. Yeah. A pan. Wait a minute. Are, are we heading to Deadwood? <laughs> yeah, I am. We're heading into the territories? Let me say one more thing about Major X before we move on. I, okay. I knew what to expect going into Major X. I wasn't like disappointed or shocked by it. Whereas there was another book from the big two this week that I thought had really horrendous art. It was a fairly high-profile book. And so I know what I'm getting from Rob Blackfeld. I'm not surprised by it or upset about it. This other book I was interested in reading, and I read it, and I could not believe that that was the art of the book. So, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. I did know what to expect, but I thought to, I did think to myself, I'm going to give them a chance to impress me, which wouldn't have been a very high bar. I don't even need to be impressed. I just know what's going to happen because it hasn't changed in 30 years. Yeah. And at least it's somewhat interesting to look at because you're like, huh. Whereas that's a very optimistic, boring and uninteresting art shouldn't happen in the big two. It should yeah. at least be interesting and dynamic. But anyway, let's talk about patron powers. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. In addition to voting for the book, you can get your own superpower on the show live if you give it the $5 or higher level over Patreon. Patrick Kunkel's our first patron. We may have given this power before. If, if so, you guys can team up. Patrick can box up anything. I had a shipping power that was similar to that. Well, they can all team up and maybe have a shipping store. But he, yeah. no matter how cumbersome your item or fragile, <laughs> he can box it up. He's got a box for it. He's got shipping materials. He's got the box. And the, the box just appears. He's like, all right, here's your box. Perfect, perfect I just box. had to... I had to email or email. I had to ship a guitar mm-hmm. to Ohio, and, and it was terrifying. <laughs> but it got there okay. But should have called like Patrick. He would have had the perfect box for you. Yep. You'd be like, I, I oh, this is the box I need. Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> Joel Everett Wheeler always makes sure to do his his business in person. 
Never over the phone or email because he can smell lies. He can, he can smell, smell lies. Yeah, if somebody's lying, he's, you're not telling me the truth. Hmm. Lie sniffer. He's a, he's a lie sniffer. True. Does it get more intense if the lie is worse? If it's like a white lie, is it like a less strong odor or is it always the same odor? Yeah, it's like farts. Like, like, oh man, what did you eat? And I think something, something's definitely fishy right now. This, yeah, I, I would say that there's, there's a, there's a, uh, a intensity spectrum. difference. Sure, and because you know he's the only guy who can do this, he's he's pretty on top of it. Hmm. Jason Smith never needs to back up his hard drive, but he also will never lose his data. So his his. His data is always protected. Yes. Wow. It will never fail. So he just doesn't worry about it. It's, it's automatically backed up always. All right. And he also has all of it for his whole life. You know what I mean? So does he run out of storage? He still has to. No, he he, he has a magic hard drive. I. <laughs> is it unlimited? Yeah. Wow. And he has all the data from the time before they were, you know, backup systems. Does the hard drive have uh, upgradable connections? Like to start with USB one, then he got to USB three. Yeah, because it's magic. It's Firewire. always always updating and always like, there's always enough room. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, no, no matter what the device is. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Have you have you lost some data lately? No, I haven't. Okay. I, I opened a drawer uh, over by my wife's desk, and I found my wife is a professional photographer for a good amount of time, and I found just a. A graveyard of old hard drives. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> Just had to close the drawer. It was too. It was too difficult. I haven't lost anything, but I am haunted still by the two hard drive failures I've had. I still I had a couple to this day. I had. Uh, we have a friend of the show. I don't know if he listens anymore, but he worked for a hard drive company. Mm-hmm. And he sent us some product. Yep. At certain parts, and one of them I had had very nice unit that I'd had uh, as a time machine on my iMac and it died recently. Mm. But, you know, like it went years. Yeah, I remember those, yeah. It was, it was a good hard drive and, and I was like, oh no, do I have to go buy a new hard drive now? I just repurposed it. Well, Jason it. never worries about this. I know, it's nice. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad at all. Stanley Martin, mm-hmm. he can make any food healthy. Eat what you want. Oh, wow. This is going to remove... All of the bad fat, all the cholesterol, all the over just salt. You're not going to notice the difference in the food's taste or texture. It's going to be just as good. Does he remove it after you've tasted it or just it still tastes like the same but it just doesn't have anything bad in it? Yeah, he doesn't doesn't remove it after you've tasted it. It's, it's when he makes the food and serves it to you. So uh, it's only with the food he cooks. It's not like you can order a pizza and he could turn a pizza healthy. No, no, he can, he can, he could, I mean, if he, he could, you can be at the restaurant with him and in his presence. We'll say there's a little, you know, six foot bubble. Well, Stanley, let's be best friends, right? Can you just imagine? Just will I have? Will you have the cake? I will have the cake. <laughs> Where's Stanley? Bring him back. Yeah, no one. He doesn't want to go to dinner with anybody anymore. <laughs> no one. It's like it's Stanley like that Seinfeld with the lip reader. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. That's where you can get your superpower. Let's do some listener questions as we have time for that now. Adam writes in and says, just sorting through some old comics and found Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin and Scott Snyder's Black Mirror. It made me really nostalgic for that era. Is that an era we're now nostalgic for? Jesus. I mean, it's possible. Thinking about it, I also prefer Kamala Khan to Carol Danvers as Miss Marvel and Wally West as The Flash. 
I miss that Batman era, but at the same time, I'd be going crazy if he was still the superior Spider-Man instead of Peter Parker. So I guess there's no real one-size-fits-all answer. I probably need to ask a question. Do you have a legacy character you prefer to the original? been thinking about this question as I write the email. Some of those, I don't feel like Kamala Khan and Carol Danvers are occupying the same space. No, they're not. They they have a they have the same name name and colors, but they're that's not the not. same hero. It's not like Wally West is the Flash, right? I think he's got a point about Dick Grayson as as Batman, and I, I I don't mean that I want Bruce Wayne to be replaced, but I really those those are my favorite Batman stories that Scott Snyder wrote, not just because of the jock art, which is very nice, but I feel like that didn't get mm-hmm. it got cut short. And I really liked it, and I found it really interesting. And I, I totally think it should have sort of gone back the way it was, but I don't think that that story was was finished, and I think they could have gone further with it. Yeah. I, I liked that. I liked uh, I liked Renee Montoya as the question. Mm-hmm. Not in Gotham Central, but out outside of Gotham Central. I enjoyed – it went on, I think, this much too long, but I enjoyed Bucky as Captain America for a while. I think that was probably the right amount of time. Yeah. The thing is, uh, generally speaking, generally speaking, generally speaking, people tend to like the version of the character that they first started reading. Yes. So, like, most people of a certain age who started reading at a certain time prefer Wally to Barry as Flash, mm-hmm. or Kyle Rayner as Green Lantern to Hal. Or I, I, I was going to say I really like Kyle Rayner as, as Green Lantern. I know right. you don't, but right, and that's you... because I started reading silver and bronze age comics and so i was a hal barry ollie guy and people who started reading you know later in the 90s are kyle wally and connor hawkeyes that's just because you tend to gravitate to the person who you met at the dance if i can mm-hmm. really mangle that analogy but i mean but Hal and Barry are legacy characters because they came after Alan Scott and Jay Garrick. So in a sense, if I prefer Hal, then he's a legacy character of Alan Scott. So Hal is a legacy character I prefer. Yeah. Barry's a legacy character I prefer over Jay Garrick. I love Jay Garrick and Alan Scott, but you know, if you're talking one flash to read, I'd read Barry Allen. just depends on who you, generally speaking, who you start reading first, I think, is what happens. But then there are other things like Dick Grayson or Bucky or, you know, one-off stories that people really find refreshing. So they want more of that. But eventually that will get stale too and you, you need to go back. Yeah. I mean, Blue Superman, you know, it's like, like oh, that was fun for a little bit. Okay. that's It's slightly different, but it's the same sort of thing. Yeah. I was trying to, are there any of those that you can remember that you really liked though? What do you mean? I don't know. We're, we're basically like they were play- – I mean, <laughs> like Jean-Paul Valley is Batman. Probably not one of them. No. <laughs> but, that, but that's just the story. That was the same as right. Superior Spider-Man. The story was about the change and how it was going to go back. That was the story being told. Yeah. And Superior Spider-Man was actually much more fun than I had any right to be. Yeah. I think. You also really liked Doom as Iron Man. I did like that. That's a really good point. And again, I felt like that was cut a little short because they were doing something there. But you also wouldn't want 10 years of that. No. No, you're right. Because it's just a story being told and it's interesting while they're telling that story. And yeah, then they, they all and then the story is over, and you have to, you you want to go back. Yeah, I liked the Dick Grayson as as Batman story for the second time because it happened in the '90s. The first time was mm-hmm. fun as an examination of what that's like. But then I wanted to go back to Bruce Wayne. I'm I'm always going to want that. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Miles Morales, but I prefer Peter Parker. 
Miles Morales is actually a really good one. I think that was a good and lasting sort of character. He's kind of like Kamala Khan in that even though he's called Spider-Man, uh, he doesn't he doesn't yeah. feel that same. Yeah. He doesn't. They're not telling the same kind of stories. Whereas Wally, is basically just they were telling the same kind of stories with Barry, just in a different, just in a different age. Whereas they're different stories. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a Silver Age character guy, so I, I you know, they're, those are all legacy characters over the, mm-hmm. the, the Golden Age characters, but everyone's That's characters they like they like the best. Want to do? Uh, Want to do another one? Yeah. Let's do another one. I don't know this answer, but Ken from the Great White North said, do I spend my money on the first collection of Terry and the Pirates or the Spirit, or is there a third option from that time period that I should buy? I would say the Spirit. I would also say the Spirit, but part of that is about my – I've heard of Terry and the Pirates, and I know that it's remarkably uh, influential over a period of people. And also this time period we're talking about, 30s, 40s. Because of Eisner, you go for the Spirit. Yes. He's he's the guy the award's named after. Right. I mean – Terry and the Pirates, I have only seen a little bit of, uh, so I can't, you know, recommend it like as much Stan as I can. Stan Lee loved it. Like, it was a really big yeah. influence on Stan Lee. I know that much. But, you know, Eisner basically created the industry. So, yep. you know, it's like saying, you know, should I watch the original Twilight Zone? You know, it's like, yeah. yes, because that was one of the things that helped create television. So, mm-hmm. If you love the medium and you want to find out and see the roots of it, and I would say get the spirit. You should also watch Playhouse 90. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm guessing that Terry and the Pirates is a very good thing to read. I don't know how well it translates, but I know that it's remarkably, uh, you know, that Buck Rogers or Carl uh, Barks, the duck stories, things like that. Like, you should read all that stuff. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Let's do one more. Mark says, I've been thinking about this question since 2008, since Iron Man was released. Let's put an end to the debate. Graphic novels versus trade paperbacks. What's what and what's the difference? Uh, they're just words. <laughs> it's all comics. That's not true, exactly. I, I don't I, think graphic novels... Why don't you talk? You talk. Well, I mean, I think, I think there's two ways to look at it. One, ultimately, I think ultimately there is no difference, and they're interchangeable. Mm-hmm. But I know that my... My sort of loose definition, and I don't say the loose because I use them interchangeably, is that I think of trade paperbacks as collections of stories that came out in, in single issue form, whereas graphic novels I think of as works that were created specifically for the graphic novel format in terms of an original graphic novel, a 120-page story, as opposed to a collection of 20-page stories. That's what I think. That's how I tend to use it in my head. But again, I just use them interchangeably. Anyway. I feel like trade paperback is actually like just a product term. It's like a like a like a paperback that you'd release of a book. It's just that yeah. we started using this term trades yeah. as sort of a catch-all. Right. I do tend to think of it as a I mean, originally this was always a collection of issues put together in a paperback that you could then sell in different outlets and stores and in different form. Graphic novels a little more like trade paperback is a is a is a term that came to mean more than it is. Like we'd say wait for the trade. Now that right. might be a hardcover when it comes out. Right. You know, but that's that's kind of like it turned it. You know, it's turned really, more than it was. We should be saying collection. Wait for the collection, which is what. yes. Graphic novel, on the other hand, was is a marketing term basically to make uh, adults feel okay about reading comic books. And yes, but I, still, I still make, tend to think of like I wouldn't call uh, like an OG. I wouldn't call a serious pop a comic book. I think it's comics. 
It's comics, but I wouldn't call it a comic book. Because of the format, you mean? Because of the format. Com- to me, com- comics is the medium, and a comic book is a 20-page form, whereas a graphic novel, to me, like I said, this is my personal thing, is a 100-page original work. Well, what about Detective Comics 1000? It's a comic book. Well, I know, but it was 100 pages. Yeah. By the way, I saw the physical Detective Comics 1000 in the store the other day, and the paper was garbage. I was like, oh, what's really? this crap? Jeez. It's, I mean, that's why it's all loose and loosey-goosey. And it's, it's all... Yeah, but I do think that one thing that hap- that is morphed is that graphic novel gets used as a term. So when they talk about a, a comic on NPR, they can say, this is a graphic novel or so-and-so yeah. is a graphic novelist. And that makes some people look up and pay more attention than if they said it was a comic book. That's why it was originally used, and it still gets used this way. I think right. it was Tom King tweeted about something recently where someone's like, well, we'd have you on if, if you had done more graphic novels and not comics or something. like Somebody, yeah. some pro, like, they had that conversation with a media outlet. So it still like exists. And to me, like if, if I was a, if I knew of a cartoonist, you know, like a, or a comic book, you know, creator who like ever said like, Oh, well, this is my graphic novel. It's not comics. I would be like, get the fuck out. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like it used in that term, but graphic novel, you know, for an, if it's an original work, if it's, yeah, I was going to say mouse actually isn't a graphic novel, but no. something like, Jimmy Corrigan. No, no, that was serialized too. I'm trying to think of an original graphic novel. Like I, there, you know, there are things that would fit under that. Parker. Yeah, yeah, those are, but but they're all, but they're also comics. I just I don't I hate anything that sort of tries to obscure the fact that something's comics. Uh, and graphic novel kind of doesn't mean anything at this time. It's just a, it's it's like fancy dress for comics. So there you go. Contact.fanboy.com. Get your email on the show. Thank you to all those who wrote in. Let's talk about other shows we've got coming out or are out already. That's true. You can go back and you can listen to JLA New World Order DC Essential Editions. That's our booksplode uh, where Connor and I went back and we read the first chunk of Grant Morrison and Howard Porter and companies. JLA stuff. It was a fun conversation. Next, I've got a talksplode that should be coming up in the next month, which uh, Connor is about to explain is a very full month. But I think I have an idea for who I want to talk to. So April is full. Right behind this show on the feed, you'll find our show on Shazam. And then we have a lot more coming out. Next week will be Hellboy. And then a week after that, Justice League Birth of Fatal 5, the animation brain trust. We'll be talking about that. And then the week after that will be the Avengers Endgame show. And then at some point in the midst of all that will be Josh's Toxplode episode. Yeah. So there's a lot of extra shows this week. There's five extra shows. Nine shows this this month? I don't know. That's a lot. It's a lot of shows. Stupid scheduling. Head over to iFanboy.com. You can find all those shows. Our past special editions, our past books blows, our past talks blows, all there at iFanboy.com. You can also find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking Facebook.com slash iFanboy or following us at iFanboy on Twitter and also following us at iFanboy Comics on Instagram, where we all, in addition to telling you what the pick is, we also do our best of the week in panels feature. But it's all happening there. There's a lot of content there already. You can also follow us individually at Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram and at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram. If you like the show, you like what we do, you can write a review or leave a star rating on iTunes. You can do that for our show. You can do that for other shows. That is a very helpful thing, and uh, it's a it's a valuable part of the process that you will need to take part of if you enjoy those shows. That's what I'm going to say. Better yet, tell folks about what we're doing. If you like it, if you think they'll like it, however you choose to do that. There was a note in a bottle campaign for a while, but I, I feel like that's – that's uh, That's true. We did uh... – we did say you should put a note in a bottle. Maybe we should revive that campaign. God, the kids aren't even going to know what that refers to at this point. If I could put time just, in just, a bottle. <laughs> that was the worst Jim Croce impersonation anyone's ever done. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Ever. 
I think Gary Pride knows. <laughs> was that Tiny Tim as Jim Croce? Yeah, actually, it was, it was a very layered thing. Well, th- but there were some 70s references for everybody who has no <laughs> idea what we're talking about. So good job with that. <laughs> All right. Cool. If you like these kind of 70s references, come back next week. And until then, I'll be Connor. And I will remain Josh. That's nice. Stop that.